Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Hello, everybody. Hello. A warm welcome in the coldest of emotional times. Liverpool went to Manchester City, went to the Etihad, as you would know if you'd heard the last episode of Cop On. I was extremely pessimistic about going there in my head, although my heart still believed and uh, my heart basically they took liverpool's liverpool by the by the by the by the what do they call them by the lapels and they shoved us into the lockers over and over again they just picked us up by the lapels and shoved us into the lockers especially in that second half and i actually i don't mind admitting this i stopped watching on 53 minutes the third goal went in and I, because after the second goal went in, you could just see like so many times this season, a great big slump in the body language. And they got the, they got the third one eight minutes after that. And it was just, well, it's pointless to watch this. It's pointless. Um, I just realized I've got, they're still sharing my picture of the, the shadow of Fontainebleau. If you're with us on YouTube, then uh, do do let us know what you think about uh, the Chateau of Fontainebleau. Um, anyway, um, I'm delighted to be joined by Nigel and by Abdul. Abdul from Watch underscore LFC. Um, Abdul, welcome back to Cop On. Um, we we're in pretty much the same position as we were in last time, but I've been annoyed today, and it was only my mood was only lifted by Newcastle. Um, you know, hammering Manchester United, who are a one-man team, by the way. Casemiro, don't believe the Rashford hype. Rashford and Casemiro, but Casemiro is the main man for them. But anyway, Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool. We're rubbish, Abdul. We're just going to have to keep, 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 keep believing, keep uh, believing that you know, in the long term, we're going to turn it around. I don't know. I don't know, um, Owen. I've, you know me. I'm, I'm usually the most or very much on the most optimistic side when it comes to Liverpool. Um, and yeah, even I just don't really know where to go from here. Um, in terms of this season, I honestly, yeah, I feel like I've lost care for where we eventually finish. There's a big part of me that's hoping that we finish outside the top seven because I don't want to play Europa Conference League. Um, but then even in the long term, looking to the summer and beyond, I'm starting to feel a bit dejected in terms of, I think I saw a stat which I just posted to watch LSC. There's like Liverpool have conceded, uh, the only team that's conceded more big chances than us is Fulham this season. So we're 19th out of 20 teams in the Premier League. Um, all of the talk around this team is, oh, we just need big additions. Uh, we need Jude Bellingham in and maybe a couple more and that will change everything. Um, everybody in all of their predicted lineups is always the same back five, no changes to the defense. Um, and I just can't believe that, to be honest. I can't believe a team can be can concede 80 clear-cut chances, three per game, um, the second most in the league. And the, the fix for that is one or two players in midfield. I feel like there's just something uh, really wrong in our entire long-term approach and yeah i just don't know i really don't know yeah it's a very interesting answer when i say long term i mean next season because what was patently obvious what, what is worrying for me is klopp 
after the game saying how well Fabinho and Henderson played. That's worrying for me because, like, it was bloody obvious that if we if we didn't sign at least two midfielders in January, then this season was a write-off. They didn't sign anybody, so this season is therefore a write-off. Conceding 80 chances, that's a mad stat, isn't it? We've actually conceded 33 goals because we do have the best goalkeeper in the world. But we've got the best goalkeeper in the world, plus Mo Salah, and the rest of them are, are, are generally underperforming. I mean, a couple of them have done all right. There was Cody Gakpo. I agree with Klopp that he was a bit of a positive Nigel uh, yesterday. Cody Gakpo. Um, yep. You know, do you want to talk about him or do you want to just, you know, focus on the, the uh, you know, plethora of negatives that are swirling around? I'll start on a positive. I'll start with Cody Gakpo. I thought he was good yesterday. Um, he looked lively. Um, like, I actually thought Jotop did all right yesterday too. Um, would have been interesting to see not that we would have got it or anything, but um, what would have happened if Mo hadn't scored that chance? Because Jota was being swung out of The guy actually grabbed him and held him when Salah came running onto the ball before Salah slotted it into the far corner. The guy actually had a hold of Jota. And we wouldn't we wouldn't have got that penalty in a million years anyway. But by the way, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, positives and negatives there. Just on Mo's couple of Mo's stats, he's gone past Michael Owen uh, as... Um, the leading away goal scorer in Premier League for us. And he's the first Liverpool player to score against Manchester City in four games in one season. That's positives. I like it. It's starting with yep. the positives. Um, some pretty, pretty, pretty shocking stats from, from the match itself. We had four attempts on goal, two from open play. And it's just horrible. Because what it is, Nigel, just staying with you, what, what's what's annoying the heck out of me is we're only good. We've only got the physical capabilities to compete for about 20 minutes of every match. And there was there was there was a moment, um, you know, you can look it up like even in the, I remember marking the time 21 minutes. Our press, we lost about 20 percent of our intensity in the press. And from from then on. Even though we'd scored, we had one chance on the break with Salah, and he was very well tackled by Grealish. But we just didn't have the intensity and the zip and the you know the the equalising goal. You could you can we don't have the physicality. Um, so yeah, I mean, for the rest of the season, again, we're gonna just have to get used to this. Like oh, yeah. we're gonna have to just suck it up until we buy a lot more players who are able to run. I'm going to start off this little part by referring to our uh, our esteemed colleague Alan, who said earlier they could re we, we could go back on previous cop ons and just repeat what he said. And I'm going to be the same. It's it's going to be the same thing. Go back over previous ones that I've said. We're playing the wrong system. We played four two four yesterday, and we got absolutely steamrolled. Like you said, we hadn't got the intensity to play after 21 minutes. Second half, we got absolutely steamrolled because he didn't change the system. He kept trying to play the three or four up front and drop either Trent pushing on, which he got caught a couple of times, pushing on too far. Virgil did it again. Remember, he did it against Bournemouth and cost us the goal. Well, he did it again yesterday. He was too far up, pushing on. And we keep getting caught but we, because we're lacking. We need an extra man in midfield. We'd lead at least three in midfield. It's 4-3-3 three, three is one thing, but 4-2-4 four, four is... It's even worse. Like trying to like Gakpo did all right yesterday, Jota did all right yesterday, Mo did all right yesterday. Fine. But it's just too many up top. We've got to I have said it before. I like Harvey. He did okay. But no, we, we need people saying to me we need one or two in midfield. We need six in midfield. If we're going to play with the, the system we're playing, it needs to be 
Well, do you remember Gerard Hulia? When Gerard Hulia signed Sammy Hoopia, Stefan Ancho, Gary McAllister, Nicky Barnby, Vladimir Schmitzer, and then later that season signed Didi Haman. Or was that the season? That could, have, that could have been the season after. Didi Haman and Emil Heskey. Like our spine has gone missing. You've got, the, like you said, you've got the best goalkeeper in the world. But he's keeping us from the championship this oh, season. He really is. is. He really but is. But yeah, Abdul... Soccer, the spine down the middle. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we've got, we've got Allison, we've got Konate, he's a very good player. Done all um, right, but the middle midfield's gone missing. But yeah, we don't have a midfield, so Virgil's out of sorts. Okay, I'm just, I just want to bring Abdul in here, because in terms of the numbers, Abdul, like, it's bleedingly obvious that, again, we're going to need so many more. I've counted them before, how, how, how many I would change from this current team, and you're getting rid of you know, seven or eight players and you're bringing in, I would bring in about nine to our squad. Absolutely. Take take the hatchet to this squad. Chop it up into little bits. Post some of it to Everton. They can have, you know, the, 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 the you know, little finger of the carcass of, of this Liverpool team. But we, we, we like it's bleeding the obvious. And surely we're going to do something in the summer like that, Abdul, no? So I remember we um, had the podcast with you where we uh, went through the squad and we said what we would do. And you ended up, yeah, maybe with seven or eight. I ended up with 10 and I've just looked at the list again. 10 players who I would get rid of. Some of them were very controversial um, and they probably still are. So maybe I won't go through it again. But yeah, I think essentially that is all of the signals that we're getting. I think the club, Klopp uh, uh, himself, um, I think they realised that something big has to be done this summer. And I think um, it is very much a situation of Klopp. Klopp knows he's, this is mad to say, but he is actually fighting for his job now. Like, that is a situation that we're in. I don't think he's going to get the sack at the end of this season, regardless of how it ends up. Like, even if we didn't win another match this season, I, I don't think he would get the sack. Um, but if he's given backing in the summer, he makes big changes, he spends big money. And then we come out at the beginning of next season in those first five games before the international break, and we have a rocky time of them. I wouldn't be surprised to see FSG start making movements to pull the trigger. If he comes back after that international break and it's still looking rocky, I wouldn't be surprised to see Klopp go before December. I could definitely see FSG pulling the trigger and saying, like, we've actually backed you now. We've given you uh, a few games into this season. And the signs are still there that things haven't changed. So, yeah, I think that is a situation that we're at. Like, I feel like if if we'd got like a third place this season and we'd fallen off, but we hadn't like fallen off too far, it would have been a completely different kind of picture. I think Klopp could have had a lot more time. He would have been given another whole season. But just because of how badly this season is gone, gone and the fact that we have multiple press conferences where Klopp will say the same thing, like, oh, we have to go and work on it. And we just come back and we put in the exact same type of performance again. If we still look like we don't have any ideas about how to get ourselves out of this situation after he spent big money in the summer, then I think Klopp's job is on the line. So, yeah. It's a nightmare scenario that they do actually pull that trigger. Hopefully they, they've got more sense than that because uh, it's he's one of the best coaches in the world, in my opinion, the best coach in the world. And with younger players who can run, 
<laughs> you know, how many players are there out there? Because, you know, I, I just watched Newcastle, Manchester United. I'm sure lots of our listeners do. Uh, have just done the same thing, excuse me, and they do watch all the other games, you know, all of our listeners, you guys as well, you know, you watch a lot, we watch a lot of football, and there are a lot of players out there who are just simply able to run for 90 minutes and are able to to have, to have put a lot of pressure on. Now, there, there's, there are new rumours coming out today about Conor Gallagher, and he's had an absolutely awful season at Chelsea, in my opinion. He's come off the bench and he's looked really lost, but with a good coach, he could re rediscover some of that magic. And even a, a player who, who's, you know, fallen uh, by the wayside like Conor Gallagher, Klopp, could, I reckon he could he could work wonders with, with him. So if they back Klopp, he also needs time to improve the players. But this is it's just unacceptable, Nigel, at the moment, how these players are reacting. You mentioned it before. With the, the 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 you said maybe perhaps it's arrogance maybe that's maybe that's right I mean I, I've been thinking about it you know I think I think you've really got a point there but it's just not acceptable. No, it's not. Um, like listen, I, I I'm I'm going to say it's not acceptable from a coaching point of view as well that we go out there yesterday and he makes the substitutions. I know he made the substitutions late, but like they can we we handed him the second goal. We handed him. We actually handed him nearly all four goals. But we still went out. We kept going with this two four two four thing. When you know we've got two guys in the middle of the field who will try and try and run and run and run all day, but the, just the legs are not there anymore or are not as good as they used to be you've got to give these guys a bit of help you know it's back to the thing I said before down the middle the spine like Trent got caught trying to do a press at one stage yesterday nearly up in the forward line got caught from one of the goals in behind and like if we're going to play 4-2-4 suddenly we're playing 3-2-4 three, 3-2-5 two, three, two, mm -hmm. and our right back is caught with no right side of midfield in front of him and our, our two midfielders getting caught like that and they either go through the middle or they go outside with the two lads caught in the middle like there's got to be some kind of system that we can have a kind of a happy medium like wing backs or something yes. like that that that, 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 that that at least you have a shape to your team that, yeah. that you know shape yesterday was a major issue because we kept getting cut down like, like the, the two the two guys in the middle like that and one goes down one side and it goes like that and Harvey Elliott is trying to run back, and Trent is trying to run forward. And they're passing one another like that, or not passing one another. And then we're going to think of the audio listeners, Nigel, because when you say oh, like sorry, that, yeah. you mean um, vertically yeah. and horizontally. Yeah. Yes, shape. shape, shape is vital. So when the midfielders are drawn out outwards, like horizontally, yes. then there are big gaps in the middle. Yeah. And when one goes in front of another, there are big gaps on the side because yeah. there are only two of them. Yeah, but said, we'll just take it for example, the Trent is pushing forward yes. on the right-hand side mm -hmm. and Harvey is dropping in. Mm -hmm. But it's not happening enough. It hasn't happened for a long time. I've said mm -hmm. it I've said it several times. I just don't like the way Trent, uh, Harvey and Mo down the right-hand side works or doesn't work. I just I, I like Harvey as a player, but I just don't think that system suits him where he has to drop in. He's an attack-minded player, a creative player, and as is Trent. So I, I think... It's either going to have to be five five three two or four four two. I I four four two four against a team like that yesterday was suicidal. Just 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 to uh, pick up on a point, um, I don't think that Trent necessarily had like a bad game yesterday. I don't think he was. I know his defensive ability has been under the spotlight a lot over recent weeks, but. Trent himself, I think in a lot of the situations, I think he did. I can't remember any kind of glaring mistakes that he made. Not none, like um, 
you know, when Robbo missed the tackle on whoever it was, uh, which then directly led to City's second goal, for example, I can't remember Trent ever really being in a situation like that where he made like a bad challenge and then like even the Grealish goal, he was completely outnumbered there. Um, it was like, what can one body do when somebody makes the run down your outside uh, and then you're trying to make sure that you're locking him off? You can't just make the run to make sure the Grealish is locked off either. So I don't know. I, I just feel like in general, like, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like with the the shape that we went into yesterday, we obviously tried something different. Salah was the most high player. So then Harvey was on the right trying to press in that kind of system. And then Cody was there in like the 10 trying to press. And then Jota was on the left. And then the two midfielders in the middle. And Klopp was right for like the first 20 minutes. Yeah, we, we had like good ideas and um, we were trying to press them well. And then, yeah, mm -hmm. like, sorry, Owen, you said it. You were the one who said that after that 20-minute mark, we just kind of didn't have the intensity anymore. Um, but one thing that I thought was, um, I remembered saying this in a match. It was like, we kept giving the possession away very easily, very cheaply, and then City would just come back, and then we'd have to do more pressing because we want to get the ball back. But then we'd get the ball back, and then we'd lose it again very cheaply. So I got frustrated at the fact that we just weren't keeping possession in in an, in a good way and then the one moment we kind of kept possession well we got the ball out to Trent he swings the ball over the top Jota makes the run sets it up for Salah and we scored the goal and it was like very clear it's like if you keep the ball well you pull City out of place they're not used to pressing and chasing the ball for a long period of time you're going to get them out of shape and then you're going to have the ability to attack on the transition and score but yeah we just both off the ball and on the ball, I just thought it was pathetic yesterday. That's that's basically what I'm trying to say. Um, I just thought, yeah, it just feels like we lack ideas. Um, it just feels like we don't know what what to do. And then we lose the confidence, we lose our heads. And that period of the game towards the end where they were just doing all lays because they were just passing the ball, it was just genuinely pathetic. It was like, I can't describe it. I just haven't seen it from this team in so long. Like, head's completely gone. Confidence isn't there. Players don't even want to look like they're making the press because they just know they're beaten. And I just don't want that. I don't want that in my team anymore. Yeah, it's brilliantly well said. And 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 you're absolutely right. Um, I'm going to go through a couple of the comments before we'll, we'll save ourselves and we're going to move on to, to other subjects because this is just... Uh, it's too sad to see the, the, the great Liverpool team uh, be so poor. Um, you know, uh, Alan's with us. He says, I'm still so angry. Let's face it, if it was anyone other than Klopp, he would have been fired with those results. And Doug from the Dugout Football Channel is here. He actually, uh, he says we have to take maximum points from the next two to or forget about top four. I forgot about top four a long time ago. I was I'm, I was pleased when we got to forty points, and and we can just we can relax about relegation. It's a bit of an exaggeration, but only a little bit. Like I think we we were shown the form to be fifteenth, sixteenth this season. Um, Alison Beck has been our hero, um, but yeah, the Doug the dugout football channel Doug's he actually gives gives the list, um, I mean, sorry to depress your listeners and viewers, but he gives a list of our results in 2023. Uh, we lost to Brentford, we drew with Wolves, we lost to Brighton, we beat Wolves, we drew with Chelsea, we lost to Brighton, we lost to Wolves, we beat Everton, we beat uh, Newcastle, 
Um, we lost to Real Madrid. We drew with Crystal Palace. We beat Wolves. We beat Manchester United 7-0. And then we lost to Bournemouth. And then we lost to Real Madrid. And then we lost to Man City. So it's just five wins um, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine losses and three draws. It's, 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 I don't know, it's a load of old, uh, you know, uh, excrement. Uh, Gary Richards is in the chat. Gary, tally ho, Gary. He says, why Starwin, why Starwin didn't start is balmy. Um, Starwin, yeah, he did pick up a, a bit of a knock, as Doug is saying in the comments as well, which is probably why, because, you know, Darwin uh, versus uh, D, um, the, the, uh, Akanji, who, who looked very dodgy, uh, and, uh, you know, down there on, on the left and whoever else they had across the cover, John Stones or whatever, he would have he would have murdered them. But Jota was okay, um, I thought. And uh, yet Gary's saying that Klopp has to take a lot of the blame this season. And Klopp needs to stop this false nine nonsense, put Jota in the nine. So he wants a change of, uh, of scene, change of tactics with Jota in the nine. That's an interesting point, Kerry. Interesting idea. Alan says he agrees with that. Um, but yeah, there you go. Um, and Doug says, I think the fact that Liverpool every time have challenged City, we've almost had to be perfect to be up there. So these players will be exhausted and mentally drained. It's the end of an era, um, and it is, it is, it does feel like that. Um, we've got Chelsea next, who are also, I mean, they're doing even worse than we are. That's the extraordinary thing. Um, Abdul, have you been, have you watched them recently? Did you, I watched their game. Um, who do they play? They were uh, Villa. Sorry, night. thank you. Yes, yeah. Villa, Unai Emery. They're, they're like one of the form teams in the league now. They They've are. got uh, four wins and a draw from the last five matches, and... I love uh, Bubakar um, Camera. What a player Camera is uh, for them, a uh, defensive midfielder. And I love uh, a lot of their players, actually. I like Villa. They're playing with hearts, they're playing with passion. Ollie Watkins coming back into form, doing really well. It's good to see. Yeah, um, they're only a couple of points off us, aren't they? They are, yes, yes. I'll bring the, bring the table back up on the screen if I can find it. I'll do that, yeah, right here. There you go. So, yeah, Aston Villa, 28. They played 28, they won 41 points. We played 27 on 42 points. Um, but yeah, um, they're coming back because you know, when Unai took over, they were second bottom, mm. so he's done he's done extraordinarily well. Mm. Um, but there you go, uh, Chelsea, anyway, Abdul. What do you reckon to them? Uh, I mean, they're uh, did you see them play Villa? They were underwhelming, they were yeah, a bunch of misfits. What do you reckon? I think there's a general trend that we're seeing. I don't know, maybe it's not a general trend, but in the league this season, the teams who have done well play a very certain type of way where they have their fullbacks uh, basically tuck inside and become central midfielders when they're on the ball. So Arsenal and Man City have done very well with that. Newcastle have done quite well with that, with Dan Burns and Kieran Trippier going down the outside the other way. Uh, Man United, I think they've done quite well with that, with Luke Shaw um, and Diogo Dallo. Um, but then you're seeing teams like Liverpool and Chelsea, who primarily want to have their fullbacks pushing up high and wide to maintain the width. They've just kind of capitulated this season. Uh, Chelsea, I saw a tweet earlier today that kind of, um, it was, it kind of hit the point home, like Mudrick, who we all saw come on at Anfield for his debut, really looked a lively player in that performance, but obviously he hasn't kicked on for Chelsea since. 
Um, if he had been playing for Arsenal, his position would have been where Martinelli is, which is high and wide. So your winger is actually holding the width and, you know, he can come and attack his fullback or he can take it out wide and go beyond the man. At Chelsea, Chilwell or Cucurella are usually the player who holds that width, whereas the forward where Mudrik has been playing has had to be inside and playing in between the lines. And that hasn't suited him as well. And that's it's a similar thing to what we see with Liverpool, right? We've got Robbo holding the width with us and then whoever is the forward, uh, so whether that's Jota or whether it's Darwin sometimes, they're coming inside or Gakpo coming inside. And yeah, it's just not really worked in the Premier League this season. Um, like Brighton, they do really well with Mitoma holding the width and really attacking his fullback. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, with Chelsea, I really don't know. Beyond that one little thing that I've just pointed out, I think they've got a problem of like scoring um, where like they've got forwards like Jao Felix, who I think is a phenomenal player, absolutely unreal footballer. Um, and then Kai Havertz, they're a bit wishy-washy in terms of they don't, they're not going to be like a Diego Costa, Diego Costa for them a couple of years ago, where he, just goals, 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 goals. And they might be creating a lot, but they're just not getting that goal. And yeah, until they do that, then they're going to struggle a lot. Um, but yeah, they've had a lot of injuries as well, just like Liverpool. So I don't know. I think Potter will survive. But yeah, it's just been a horrible season for, for Chelsea. It's an excellent summary. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and you're right in terms of the tactics. Potter, he's always changing up in every match. He sort of changes things. I thought it was a bit mad that he put Reese James at centre back the other day. Whereas Reese James, for me, is their is their best player. I think he's an absolutely phenomenal right back, and uh, he's he's you know he can play in lots of positions, sure, and he'd be really good centre back, but. They missed his creativity. It's like Potter is lacking a little bit of optimism, Nigel. What do you think with uh, about his job, what he's doing at Chelsea? I think he's in an untenable position or an unwinnable position. They've bought so many players. I don't think Potter is essentially picking the team 100%. I think he's been told what to do from on high. You pick this guy, you pick this guy, you pick this guy. And I think there's a disconnect between manager, coaching staff, players because of this new owner um i think there's a lot of a lot of things wrong at that club i have been for a long time but this guy has really put the tin hat on it's a bit like our situation as well i think what we've what we're in at the moment has been three years in the making because of all the injuries and we've if you look at Thiago and Stefan Bajetic at the moment, we they didn't get injured. The repetitiveness of us having to play players who are not used to playing kind of out of position or a young lad who's in there in his first full Premier Premier League season and we've just worn them out um, through not addressing the situation that we were talking about three years ago of we need players. We can't buy one forward every uh, time, like every, every transfer window. It just can't happen. And we haven't addressed our problem. We didn't buy a centre-half when Virgil got injured, we ended up getting the Champions League that time because we went on a great run at the end of the season. But we didn't address it then. We didn't address it after that. We bought Kanate. Fine. But you need more than one. You know, this, you know here's here's one centre-half. Here's one striker. That's all you're getting. It's, it's, it, I think it's the exact opposite at Chelsea. Too much. I agree with what Abdul said. I haven't seen much of Mudrik. I saw him playing against us. But um, like you've got to play these guys. This guy probably has like very little English. I, I, like he's bought like Koulibaly for big money, and he's still playing Thiago, Thiago in centre half as well. You know where are these? He he brings Gallagher on from the bench all the time. Their best midfielder of the last few years 
I, I thought was um oh the French guy that played in the World Cup. Oh what's his name? Kante. Kante, yeah. I mean, Kante. what a legend. Was a excellent player, excellent player. Yeah, is decent. Um, but like they bought Havertz. Havertz is a good player, but I just think it's the wrong club. I just don't you know they're I think it's too many players and too much involvement from an owner with a disconnect between the manager, some of his coaches and a lot of players. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I agree. I mean, we, you know, we don't know what's going on inside the club, but it does look like that from the outside that he's uh, he seems like the kind of character who would, you know, walk into the dressing room and, you know, give a little pep talk unannounced and unasked for by the coach. That kind of guy he does seem like that, doesn't he? A bit of a... Bit of a bit of a so and so, as my mum would say, um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Liverpool and Chelsea um, have drawn each of our last five meetings with Chelsea. Oh, so, so there you go. We've we drawn each of our last five meetings, and each of the last three meetings have all finished nil nil. Um, only only two previous fixtures between two top flight clubs have finished goalless in four consecutive meetings that was Everton against Liverpool between 1974 and 1975 and Arsenal against QPR in 1992 and 1994 so I don't know what you're doing Tuesday night I don't know if you have problems sleeping like I do but if any of our fellow insomniacs uh, need a bit of therapy Tune in to Stamford Bridge on Tuesday. Um, before we, uh, you know, we're, we're going to talk about a couple of couple of new rumours. I mean, you know, Conor Gallagher's one. But one one came out today, um, a guy from Eintracht Frankfurt, um, and his name is Jesper Lindstrom. And according to thisisanfield.com, it says Liverpool are said to be highly interested in Eintracht Frankfurt attacking midfielder Jesper Lindstrom, who could be available for a reasonable fee. The Reds have joined Arsenal in exploring the possibility of signing the 23-year-old, with both clubs claimed to have already made contact with Frankfurt. And this is according to Sky Germany's Florian Plettenberg, who, who uh, I think from memory, he's got some things right and some things wrong. He has nine goals and four assists in 31 games this season, and although, although his club are seeking around £44 million, Plessenberg claims that a realistic fee would be between £30.8 million and £35.2 million. So I don't know which currency conversion converter he's been using, but somewhere around the 32 uh, to 38 million euros and apparently that's reasonable seems a bit bad shit to me but there you go in terms of prices but looking at his stats um yeah there you go seven goals two assists and 22 bundesliga matches going down to uh fbref.com he does extremely badly uh for assists he's only in the 11th percentile against other attacking midfielders or wingers um, his blocking is good. He's in the 85th percentile, but otherwise his stats are unimpressive. Um, he's especially bad at progressive passes, only in the fourth percentile for progressive passes. And he's also especially bad at pass completion, um, 66%, which is very bad, even for a creative player uh, who's supposed to unlock the doors and all that. Um, Abdul, I want to avoid players like this, like the plague. 
I don't want another attacking midfielder. We've got Harvey Elliott, who on the ball is absolutely terrific at moving the game forward. Uh, but he needs two players next to him who can run and cover the spaces that he can't do. And this guy, I don't know what his running stats are, but his tackling is underwhelming, his 45th percentile, interceptions of 50th percentile. Just no, Abdul, no, we don't need these people. Yeah, uh, just like that. Um, I think Florian Pletiberg, he gets, a, I feel... I'm not 100% sure on this, but I feel like he gets a lot of information from agents. Um, so he was very close. He he made some breaking news on Naby Keita, for example, um, saying that he's not going to sign a new contract. And before that, he was saying like, oh, there's, there's contract talks with Naby, but Naby wants assurances to play. That was right at the beginning of the season before he got his long-term injury. Um, I think he was the one who broke the Firmino news. And all of it seems to suggest, because uh, Naby's with, um, with Roof, uh, which is an agency which has a lot of, um, I think they have uh, Serge Gnabry and a couple other German players. Firmino, I think he's known his agent since his time at Hoffenheim. So Pletterberg is reliable because he does seem to have a direct link with German-based agencies. And considering that Lindstrom plays in Germany, just I just did a quick Google there. His agency seems to be like a Danish agency, but maybe he has connections there. But yeah, I just... I just can't see us buying another attacking midfielder. Um, we've already got like six six forwards at the moment um, and Fabio Carvalho, who just doesn't get any chances. So I feel like this is a very agent-driven, just get my player's name out there. Um, and same thing with the Conor Gallagher story that broke today. I feel like that also came more from the agent side rather than the club leaking. Because, I mean, these aren't really if the only way Liverpool would leak news about uh, players that they're interested in right now is to kind of distract from the on the pitch performances. And Conor Gallagher and Lindstrom aren't exactly the names which are going to make fans think, oh, we got sunny days up ahead. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I think it's a bit of a nothing rumor. But, yeah, I also just don't really particularly want him, although I did see a video and uh, he does look pretty nice. But, yeah, the stats Clearly, don't back him, but yeah. Mark Gonzalez looked amazing on YouTube. You know, he's he's the one to go to the reference. Um, Conor Gallagher. Um, going to the next the next rumor. Um, his his stats are actually really good. Um, you know, it's a little bit surprising maybe in terms of touches in the attacking penalty areas. He's in the ninety first percentile, and progressive passes received in the ninety second percentile. He gets forward. He gets into good positions. And he's uh, he's there in in a dangerous moment. Successful take ons. He's in the eighty seventh percentile, and progressive carries in the seventy eighth percentile. Really good. His past completion is only in the twenty fifth percentile. So again, we're going to sign another player like Darwin, for example, who's going to give the ball away. So what happens when you give the ball away is the key question that we we haven't answered this season. We've left unanswered. Um, and just looking at the blocks, he's in the 99th percentile for blocks, Conor Gallagher. He gets around the place, he tears around the pitch, and he's really good defensively. So that, I think that's very... I think it could be an interesting move, Nigel. What do you reckon to Con Conor Gallagher? I'm going back to what I said the other night. Let Chelsea... Don't sign anybody from Chelsea. Everyone just stay well away from him. Don't sign anybody. Let him go bust and then pick the bones. There you go. Wait for the fire and uh, bring, bring your barbecue rack... Yeah. And start cooking a few of them chicken wings on the barbecue fire. 
Well, let him go down again. Okay. Yeah, okay. he's, he's a decent player. I remember him playing against him the, against us the last time, mm -hmm. and everyone was giving out about him because he's an asshole. He's going down on the ground and he's kicking lads, and he's. I could have like I, I don't mind I, if we can get somebody in the middle of midfield like attacking attacking forwards is not, or attacking midfielders is not what we need we need bodies in the middle of the field that we're going to go around kicking people yeah. we need a Milner uh -huh. except about 15 years younger and, and we need a Henderson about 10 years younger you know what I mean like and we need we need we need two centre halves. Matip is probably going to go in the summer I would think <laughs> Virgil is 30 Konate yeah, is there fine no problem at all but we need two centre halves. We need about four centre midfielders. We need like Ox is gone, Kate is gone. Uh, who Milner? else is going? Milner probably. Yeah, well, you, I wouldn't. You could argue that Henderson and Fabinho have already gone. Yeah, I wouldn't Milner mind seeing Milner being put on the coaching staff. You know my feelings on that. Yes. But yeah, as as he come in and he'll still try and do a job for you. But I still, I I I put Milner on the coaching staff. I, I if I could get him on the coaching staff, I really would. Um, Absolutely. Like, we we need to replace Genie Vinealdon. Oh, we need to play midfielders in midfield and not not Curtis Jones there because he's not a midfielder, etc. Yeah. etc. Et yeah, we we yeah, precisely, precisely. We were linked with that the the, the Asian guy. I, I don't know what nationality is, so I'm sticking with Asian. Okay. The centre half, he's been linked today. I Which like Minjai. Kim Min Jai from Napoli. He's been linked today. Oh, I didn't yes. see that. Okay, because yeah, we've been talking about been... him on Coppola, haven't we, in the past couple he's, of He's been linked today, yeah. Wonderful he's player. He's, he looks a good player. I like to look at him a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you have the Italian league been slightly slower, been a bit slower, you know what I mean, pace-wise. Mm. Um, ball into the box and stuff like that. But what I've seen of him, looks a nice player, looks a tidy player. Um, I'm trying to think we've linked with another centre-half. Oh, oh I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so now. But so, Mario. Got internet just just go vadial is the one who uh oh, yes that's the guy yes yeah. yes yes that's everybody's been linked to him though yeah they're going, they're going to look for a hundred million for him not yeah. open no way I, I think the um center back situation is is tight because I feel like we'll definitely sell Nat Phillips. Uh, he did his duty this season being our fifth center back when he could have gone out on loan or gone up to a different club at some point. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we'll also sell Reese Williams uh and then i feel i know you said we might sell matic but i feel like uh we'll want to keep five center backs at the club yes. so i feel like we'll keep Konate, we'll keep joe gomez we'll keep virgil we'll keep matic and then i think we'll sign one and in an ideal world it would be amazing to have uh vadiol that would be the absolute creme de la creme of signings but yeah, a hundred million on a centre back when we have so much to do in midfield, maybe it's not realistic. But who knows? Maybe we'll get some investment before the summer, and uh, we'll just go a bit crazy with it. There are some interesting free transfers available this summer as well, like uh, Evan and Dicker from uh, from Eintracht Frankfurt. He he looks decent. Um, but yes, um, sorry, Nigel, you were going to say something? It's, no, just, uh, I was just going to say, it's about time they properly backed us in a transfer market. For, like, they have to. Yeah, they have to. It's, it's, it's like, they think that, they think that, that it's, it's been bad recently, uh, the, the, the uproar about FSG. But if they don't back us this summer and we don't get, I think we're going to need seven or eight players because we want to sell seven or eight players and we need a squad. We need, like, basically, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to call it an overload in, in positions. Like, you remember, you know, these lists people to be doing, like, to start of the season or oh, we have this fella for this position and this and these two these this guy and this guy are going to be back up well we're, we're nearly well, we have this guy in this position and this guy in this position and this guy in this position and we have two guys in this position but there's a lot of there's a lot of positions that we have very very little cover for 
Yeah. Just just yeah. just quickly on that, like um I'm looking at my list again of uh, the players that I think that we should, if I was in, in my ideal world, get rid of them, take the money, recoup it into the squad. And I just feel like it's so it's gonna be so hard for some of these players to go. So I've got uh, for example, Fabinho on my list, and I'm talking about again like a cruel world, just get rid of them, move on. I've got Fabinho on my list, and I feel like that's going to be hard enough, you know, to find a buyer. Like, I can see Barcelona needing a defensive midfielder, and Fabinho would make sense in that situation. But Fabinho, or a good sorry, or a good liar. Yeah, yeah, but um, Fabinho, he might not. They might not even want him because they don't. He's not like the Barcelona type of centre back. He's not like a Sergio Busquets. He struggles to play on a half turn, you know. For example, he's good at doing the tackles, which he's not even good at doing that this season, but. So yeah, I'm I'm struggling to see a buyer realistically try and find uh try and pay a good amount for Fabinho. And then other players on my list include Robbo, which let's not get into that, but you know, <laughs> the controversial, I know. But mm -hmm. again, it's hard to envision a team paying the kind of money that we would want to have for Robbo. Henderson, I can't see us selling him. That's that simple. Milner, we're looking to extend apparently. Simicas, I can see us selling him um if the right money comes in but again I, I don't i think there would be a good market for him but i feel like again Klopp would get too sentimental with that and be like should we sell Simicas? he does the job when we need him to we don't really need to sell him we're not going to get that much money so i can see him staying so then it ends up in a situation where the only people who are going to leave are ox pater uh, nat phillips maybe matip uh and then the other one i've got on my list is tiago which again, I can't really see a selling for sentimental reasons because Klopp will think, oh yeah, he's still really, really good when he's fit. And from those five, two of the three of them are free sign, are going for a free. Nat Phillips and John Matip together, I reckon we'd be lucky to make 40 million off them. And that's then you're like saying, okay, 40 million to recoup into um our summer spending spree. That's gonna get you one player from from that amount who's like a half decent player. And then the rest of our spending on this seven or eight players that you guys see say we need, that's all going to be out of pocket from FSG. And I just can't see that. I can't see that happening, basically. I can't see 40 million for those two players. No, either. either. No, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting thing. Um, but they, free, free transfers, you know, that's, that's one thing we could go down. That's one avenue we could go down. Gundogan is available for a free. He's a hell of a player. Whether we'd pay his wages or not, we don't know. But we'll see with that. The last thing I want to talk about, though, um, is something not Liverpool related. It's just, that, you know, around the grounds, you know, just different stories from around around the league. So I just want you to basically choose something to talk about. So, you know, I'll give you some options. You can talk about who's going to win the league. Are, are Arsenal going to beat Man City? Are Manchester United going to get top four? Because they should be looking over their shoulders now. Or uh, Brenda Rogers getting sacked. What, uh, Nigel, wh which one do you want to talk about? Can I address something else? Oh, uh, yeah, whatever you like. These chants, these, these, yes, these Hillsborough chants. Um, it's disgusting. I've, I've, I've had a discussion with one of my friends there earlier on. Uh, he's a Newcastle fan, and uh, I've said it to him earlier on. These chants, home and away, doesn't matter who we play. Every time, it's just, it's, it, there's been, it's generational now at this stage that they're that these have to be listened to and uh what's been done about it well nothing's been done about it um by like there has to be some some kind of identifier from either from the club 
we we know the FA won't do anything. Like there's got to be something done. It, it's it's apart from the fact that the, the justice has never happened happened for the families and like the pain goes on and on and on and then they have to be subjected to this. I don't know how many. I'm sure there are plenty of relations of of the families of or of some of the victims even, which is really sad. Um, that are going to these games and having to listen to this rubbish. You know, it's it's really really beyond the joke. Like our bus got attacked yesterday as well. By the way, what to be done yeah. about that? Nothing. Manchester City at least they they did put out a statement not just about the brick going into the bus but about the chanting they basically said we have heard it you know we heard it during the match and that's at least some kind of step it's like instead of just denying that it happens which happens to loads of clubs which is like it's sick and it needs to change we can talk about that for ages but we've only got a couple of minutes left Abdul, I, I, I totally agree. It's beautifully well said, Nigel. Um, Abdul, what about you from around the grounds? Any particular story? Um, you know, that Arsenal going to win the league, Man United going to get top four, Brendan Rodgers getting sacked or Tottenham getting a new manager? I don't know. What, what do you think? Um, I would like to pick up on just a general trend again, um, which I kind of touched upon a bit earlier. But all of the best teams in Europe this season, uh, all around, have kind of employed this fullback playing as a midfielder system, um, whether it's Arsenal, City, um, Bayern Munich used it to very good effect last night um, in Thomas Tuchel's first game back as manager. Um, and who else was it? Uh, Barcelona employ it very, very well. Um, so, yeah, um, I just kind of want to use this last space to just kind of plug my dream of signing Vardiol, playing him next to Virgil on the left side, letting Trent move into midfield and uh, when we're on the ball. And uh, yeah, it's, it's called the WM formation. I think it's called back in the day. Um, I think it, it was popularized by one old Bayern Munich manager um, or the WW. I think that's how Man City played it yesterday, where they had, you know, three center backs and then two in front and then five in the, in the attack or a 3-2-5, basically. And I just think, yeah, it would be great to see Liverpool kind of employ that, especially when Luis Diaz is back, so that he can stay really wide left, and then whoever's at left back can just focus on defending. And maybe we'll concede a lot less chances, and maybe it will be great for Trent um, to like play in midfield. I don't know, but I just feel like we need something new at Liverpool. I think we've done this 4-3-3 thing for years now, and it just feels like we have no ideas. It feels like everybody's figured out all of our ideas. And I just don't think that having fresh legs is going to be enough. I feel like we need to really rethink the structure of our team, how we want to attack, how we want to defend. We don't need to completely rip up the, the plan, but we need to start looking at different ways of doing things, basically. And uh, yeah. Very interesting stuff. Thank you very much indeed. Um, I'm going to leave you with a poem this week because, uh, you know, I forgot to do it at the beginning, basically. It's called uh, A Centre, and it's by Ha Jin from um, uh, an anthology that came out in 2018. And I really like it. And it's a call to patience. And it's a call to, you know, staying firm in your beliefs. Liverpool will be back, for example. But whatever you're doing in life, whoever you are, wherever you are, thank you very much for listening. This is a poem called A Centre by Ha Jin. You must hold your quiet centre 
where you do what only you can do. If others call you a maniac or a fool, just let them wag their tongues. If some praise your perseverance, don't feel too happy about it. Only solitude is the lasting friend. You must hold your distant center. Don't move, even if earth and heaven quake. If others think you are insignificant, that's because you haven't held on long enough. As long as you stay put year after year, eventually you will find a world beginning to revolve around you. Thank you very much. You'll never walk alone. Thank you.